Hello, and welcome to the Text in Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co-host, L. Grover Fricks, to resume our discussions in Exodus chapter 4. That's right. Uh, we got some new Hebrew words, specifically the one Amon in this reading today. So when you hear me say that, you don't need to hit that go back 15 seconds button to try to hear what I said. It was Hebrew, and we'll talk about it after. All right. Here we go. Chapter four, scroll of Shemot. Moshe answered. He said, look here. They will not aman me. They will not shem'ah in my voice, for they will say, Yahweh has not made himself seen to you. Yahweh said to him, what is this in your hand? He said, a branch. He said, send it to the land. He sent it to the land. It became a serpent. Moshe flit away from before its face. Yahweh said to Moshe, send out your hand, grasp its tail. He sent out his hand. He made it strong. It became a branch in his palm. In order that they will trust, for Yahweh has made himself seen to you, God of your fathers, God of Abraham, God of Yitzchak, and the God of Yaakov. Yahweh said to him, Again, bring, please, your hand to the hollow of your chest. He brought his hand to the hollow of his chest. When he caused it to leave, look here, his hand was leprous as snow. He said, Cause your hand to return to the hollow of your chest. He returned his hand to the hollow of his chest. He caused it to leave from the hollow of his chest. Look here, it had returned as his red flesh. It will be if they do not amanu or shem'ah, the voice of the first emblem, they will trust the voice of the emblem after. It will be if they do not shem'ah, the voice of also these two signs, or shem'ah, your voice, take water from the yor. You will spill it on dry land. It will be that the water you take from the yor will become blood on dry land. Moshe said to Yahweh, In me, my Lord, I am not a man of words. I, from the day before and the day before that, also, from then on, you have spoken to your servant. But I am heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue. Yahweh said to him, Who placed a mouth for humanity? Who places the bound mute or the silent deaf or the open or the filmy blind? Have not I, Yahweh? Now walk. I will be with your mouth. I will teach you what you will say. He said, O Lord, send please, and a hand you will send. The nose of Yahweh was kindled in Moshe. He said, Is not Aharon your brother, the Levi? I know that speaking he will speak. Also, look here, he is coming out to call you. He will see you and rejoice in his heart. You will speak to him and place the words in his mouth. I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. I will teach you what you will do. He will speak for you to the people, and it will be that he will be a mouth for you. You will be for him as an Elohim. You will take this branch in your hand with which you will do the emblems. Moshe walked. He returned to Yeter, his father-in-law. He said to him, Please, oh, I would walk. I would return to my brother who is in Mitzrayim. I would see whether they still live. Yitro said to Moshe, Walk to peace. Yahweh said to Moshe and Midian, Walk, return to Mitzrayim, for dead are all the men who sought your soul. Moshe took his woman and his sons and mounted them upon the donkey. He returned to the land of Mitzrayim. Moshe took the branch of the Elohim in his hand. Yahweh said to Moshe, In your walking to return to Mitzrayim, see all the wonders I have placed in your hand, and that you will do before Pedro. I will strengthen his heart. He will not send the people. You will say to Pedro, This is like what Yahweh says, My son, my firstborn Yisrael, I say to you, send my son, he will serve me. If you wearily refuse to send him, look here, I will kill your son, your firstborn. It was in the path, in the inn, Yahweh lit upon him. He sought to cause his death. Tzipporah took a sharp stone. She cut the foreskin of her son. She caused it to touch his leg. She said, for you are a groom of bloods to me. She, he slackened from him. So she said, groom of bloods to the circumcision. Yahweh said to Aharon, walk to the desert to call Moshe. He walked. He lit upon him in the mountain of the Elohim. He kissed him. 
Moshe declared to Aharon all the words of Yahweh. Moshe declared to Aharon all the words of Yahweh that he had sent him and all the emblems that he had commanded him. Moshe and Aharon walked. They gathered the elders of Israel. Aharon spoke all the words that Yahweh spoke to Moshe. He did the emblems for the eyes of the people. The people, Ammon, they shamad, for Yahweh had visited the sons of Yisrael, for he had seen that they were pressed into the ground with hard labor. They bent their heads, they bowed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, well, we'll see how far we get this week. I don't have a lot of confidence in us. <laughs> I do. I think that, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay, <laughs> We'll see. All right. I, I I do a terrible job of judging episode length by the notes that I've made because right. you never just, know when some magical jorts will show up. Yeah. Well, and this is a, a I mean, it's a very conversational format, you know, and we get on tangents and we talk about various things and, and so that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You never know where it's going to end up. So, uh it's part of the fun. All right. Uh, so Moshe is continuing this conversation that started back in chapter three. Right. Um, and he's still on his objection train. He is. Yeah. So I broke this into two sections. Part one is going to be one through 17, which is going to, uh, encapsulate that conversation. 18 through 31 is going to be all the other stuff. The other stuff, the stuff that comes after that goes ever on and on. Yep. So, um, yeah, so he is continuing on. It's kind of weird that that conversation is... Uh, broken up by the chapters. Broken up by the chapters, but also is in between the chapters, right? It's the second half of chapter three and yeah, the first half of chapter four. File a complaint. Right, yeah, who came up with these chapters? Come on, people. It's the Archbishop Stephen Langton. <laughs> I always knew I didn't like that guy <laughs> in the 1200s. <laughs> wow. He said, you know what we really need here? Chapters. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was at odds with Hugo de Sancto Caro, who has a great hat and some uh, Lenin glasses. Wonderful. Yeah. Now you know, everyone. You're welcome. Uh, okay. Thanks, Stephen. So... Yeah, Stevie, Archbishop of Canterbury, messed this up for everyone. Okay, so Moshe answered, look here, they will not among me. They will not shem'ah in my voice. Moshe has not heard about manifesting because he is just saying the opposite of what we'll see at the very end of the chapter, right? Yeah, you know what, though? I think there's still something about bringing what you're feeling to God. Oh, yeah. In conversation. Absolutely. Uh, and he's doing that here, right? He's wrestling, but at least he's talking to God about it and not just blowing the whole thing off, right? right. He's still, like we talked about before, he's still here. Right. He hasn't just given up. Right. Uh, he, yes, he's not being very performative, um, despite the kind of performative aspect of his job. You would yeah. expect someone more wily to be like, sure, and then... Well, we'll see what he does in this chapter. Right, right. But uh, so there's that word right in the first verse here. They will not aman me. Yeah. So I've been translating this word believe or trust. Right. And that's the uh, believe is kind of the standard OG translation. Right. Here. And Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis yeah. 15. Right. Um, however... So when we're translating, there there's a way of looking at it where you should be suspicious if you look in your concordance and it has like 202 times it translates it one way and then one time it translates it, right? you know, something else. Then it's like, hmm, well, what's going on in that verse theologically that folks were like, you know, maybe this isn't really joy. Maybe it's humility, right? Right. <laughs> then you should be suspicious. But there's also something that you can do. Yes, you who doesn't speak Hebrew out there when you're looking at your concordance. 
Um, and it's, if you look at the different ways it's been translated, like there's a little box on BLB that'll tell you that in the KJV, which is quite the poll. But, um, if there is a wildly different word in there, and especially if it's a verb (laughs) rather than a noun, um, that might cause you a pause for a moment to think about your life choices um so this word (laughs) (laughs) maybe i should go home and rethink my life (laughs) right uh but you should go look at the verse like don't just stop there and go well i guess everything's wrong you should go look at the verse look at its usage and see okay if we have a theory of words um that you know they're all in the same tree with the same root but they can have different evolutions depending on their case and blah 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 um how does this word work its way back into the original picture right um and i encountered uh you know the story in um the samuels and kings you know that section um where the one like gets rescued from the scary queen um and he has a disability and he's kept safe by his nurse and he has a really long name Okay, I don't know the name. But you do know the story I'm talking about. You know what? I'm not sure that I do. It sounds not familiar at all. Oh, really? Oh, it's a great one. Um, you would know if I described it better. Um, his whole line... Of is, course, I have read those books. <laughs> yes. His whole line gets obliterated because, um, you know, of the Game of Thrones aspect of okay. that period of history. Um, and so he's kept in hiding by his nurse. Um, and it's a different word um, than sometimes as wet nurse. Um, however... That word is the same as this word, that noun, whereas we usually see it as a verb, right? And it can also be used not for our regular word for pillar, amud, which means something that's standing, ama, that means to stand, um, something solid. So when I think of a supporting pillar, sure, yeah, it's solid. Um, That makes me lean more into the trust, right? Because for me, belief has to do with intellectual assent um, versus trust is just something that you know is faithful, that you know is true, and the original meaning of the word true rather than our current meaning. Um, But you got to work a nurse in there somehow, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, if a nurse is someone who has aman, uh, you know, a nurse is someone who has looked at this child, uh, who is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in this metaphor, that child is some kind of belief, some kind of faith, some kind of trust, right. And said, this is worthy of me caring for it is vulnerable and I need to feed it. I might need to nurse it. I need to protect it and care for it in this nursery because it right. is young. I have to make sure it gets all its nutrients, you know? Right. There's a lot, uh, behind that. Right. Usage. Yes, that there's a lot of pictures that go go along with that. Uh, and if you look at the page on BLB, you'll see it in there to be carried by a nurse uh, in a particular form. And so I it, there's also a section where it's used for a foster parent okay. taking on a ward. Um, and again, that's the same thing here is a vulnerable something something that needs to be cherished and taken care of and watched over. And to Aman is to decide that you're going to do that. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And so first off, I think it's interesting because we tend to be people, thanks to the Enlightenment, who are like, you know, reason. I don't decide to believe anything. I just figure it out. And if I figured it out, then that's true. And that's the end. Yeah. But this is kind of like a uh, Ruth and Boaz scenario. Uh, say more what do you mean by that of taking somebody in oh yeah yeah you have to say i decide (laughs) that this little thing which is vulnerable and in danger my hope my belief my trust uh, needs to be nourished needs to be watched over needs to be cared for or else something bad will happen to it and that uh is a picture behind emunah, behind faith, right? Behind belief, behind trust. That we, if we have chosen, I'm going to have faith in this. 
I'm going to trust this, that mm-hmm. we then have to do the work to continue to do that. It's kind of like the narratives around like, oh, I just fell out of love with my spouse um, versus saying, no, I decide to love my yeah. spouse, right? So him saying they will not among me. Right. I think if we look at the broader picture, part of what he's talking about is the fact that he was raised as an Egyptian. Right in the royal house, right? right? So saying they will not trust me, they won't bring me back in to the family. They won't accept me as a Hebrew, right? right? But also for them, if you think about it from their perspective, they, it costs a lot to have audacious dread like hope. Like it is vulnerable. It hurts. You know, it can be a physical feeling in your chest and to choose to let that hope and to be vulnerable to that and to say this, this place of oppression that I'm in right now is not the way that I will always be. Right. You have to, that's like a baby that you have to nurture and care for and protect because there will be, you know, tsunamis of um, obstruction to that tiny uh, vulnerable hope. There will be um, obstacles and um, depression and all sorts of things that'll happen. And so Moshe is saying, I think, they're not going to decide to say yes to right. to trusting, to believing, yeah. to having faith. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I think there's a, you know, I think there's a good uh, teaching point for, you know, a lot of people's situations in present day Christianity where mm-hmm. they're wrestling with the church. Right. Um, or even from the flip side of being in the church and wrestling with acceptance right of outsiders right um Mm. and bringing people in who are wanting to be in the family of god um Mm. uh, especially if it's somebody that you've rejected in the past Mm. right so choosing to have faith in them you mean yeah yeah, I'm thinking more not having faith in somebody else. I, I see that he's saying to me in this spot, but rather saying, uh, even though I don't in my reason side of myself understand everything, I'm still choosing to believe. Um, and I think that that can be underrated Sure. in our era where you need to know, just understand the doctrines and lay them all out is what the other side is. And then the, you know, deconstructor side that can lean on pessimism can be like, look, I don't even know how to identify because I don't understand any of this stuff anymore. Right. Uh, and in the midst of that, <laughs> Aman says, belief, trust, faith is vulnerable and it's up to you about whether you choose to nourish it or not. Yeah. Okay. Well, little teaching point right here at the top. All right. Uh, he's also concerned that they won't shema his voice. Um, I'm very confident that this is a chiasm because it appears at the oh, end yeah. again. Oh yeah, right? 100%. I w- yeah. Did I, you count out where the middle is? Uh, I did look at that. Yeah. Okay. So, You'll um, let us know when we get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if we just look at the general outline, right? We have this ma thing at the beginning. We have it at the end. Mm-hmm. We have this uh, uh, more stretched the, in the first half here, but going through the different uh, signs that God gives them. And at the end, right. we have those signs being done by right. Aaron. Oh, right. Sure. Right. Um, we have... Uh, blood in the signs Mm -hmm. right with the water at the end we have the blood with the circumcision Uh portion um we have in the center of all of that uh verses 14 through 17 the nose of yahweh was kindled in moshe oh Um, that's our center and the bringing in of aaron Aaron, Aaron into the plan Okay, yeah, um, so, I would posit then that like the forbearance of God is the theme. Yeah, perhaps. there's some interesting stuff when we get there, and we'll get down to that in a little bit. In a bit, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Jumping uh, back up to the top. Right, one last word about Amon. Um, you might be sitting there thinking, boy, that's awfully close to Amen. You're correct. So every time we finish a prayer, we, in our tradition, we say everything above is yes true is yes uh trustworthy Mm -hmm. um and i choose to nurture that hope 
right? Uh, which should instruct the way that we pray, right? Not that I'm the prayer police, like you said. There's, you know, bringing your insecurity to God is perfectly fine, but um, maybe that's not the main, the main uh, stream of prayer as intended. Who knows? Okay, that's a note in case you're wondering. Is Aman Aman? Yes, it is. All right, so he says then, Yahweh says to him, what is this in your hand? Uh, and he says, a branch. Ding, 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 ding. That's me waiting for you to make your uh, Eden pull or a uh, vine pull or something about the church. Uh, for the branch? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... I have a pull too. I was just waiting for you to go first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I looked at a couple of different, different translations here uh, of this word because we don't often see this as branch. We'll see it as rod. We'll see it as staff. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hebrew word uh, mate, mate, mate. You got to roll with more confidence if mate. you're going to. I mean, <laughs> mate. Yeah, mate, mate, mate. Okay, all right, continue. Um, appears a couple of places in the text uh, before this. Notably, I think, uh, is with uh, Yehuda and Tamar. She asks for the staff. He's, right. He says, what shall I give you? And she says, your seal, your thread, and your staff. Yep. Ask for three things. Yep. Um, which I think is interesting because we see here Moshe conversing with God over how he's going to pull this all off. And God gives him three things. Right. In order to do it. Yep. Uh, the first being a branch, mm. which is the same word that we have in that earlier passage with Tamar, she asked for his branch, yep. his his staff. Um, and I think what else is compelling about that is that she is waiting for him in the place called the opening of the eyes. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think that's important because we see God saying in verse 1, or Moses saying in verse 1, for they will say, Yahweh has not made himself seen to you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um so some interesting parallels in both of those stories. Yeah. Uh, I think um, that we can talk about more, but uh, I'm curious about what you had for Branch. Right. So their staffs, rods, branches, again, it's one of those things where people go, well, let's switch it up and define it in a different way. But um, there is like three different words for those three different things so i'm gonna try to be consistent but uh branch is a symbol of authority um and so each member each of the elders of the tribes of yisrael carry one with them yeah um Pero has one he's got a staff right god here tells him take up this branch so he's not just telling him pick up your shepherd staff that you're using to, you know, do your shepherdy things uh, and whack, I don't know, who tries to eat sheep, George? I didn't grow up on a farm. You know. Wolves. Wolves. Dogs. Dogs. Whack those whack those wolves with a... Lions. Oh, my. Okay. Uh, it's about him saying, look, sir, because uh, God never answers... Moshe's question, like each time he does answer him, but it's never what he wants him to say, right? Earlier in the last chapter, he said, um, you know, what's your name? And he tells him, I will be whom I will be. And it's not really clear that that's his name or not. Um, Before that, he says, who am I that I should do this? And God says, I'll be with you, you know, and that's a kind of oblique way of answering. Here he says, he, he just has an objection. He doesn't say a question to God, but God doesn't answer like, no, they will aman you. They will shama you. Um, he says, take up your authority, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Pick up what I've given you, who I've made you to be already, right? And that follows that his next um, 
His next complaint is, but I can't have authority because of my either way of speaking or my disability. And right. God says, I'll, I'll say who has authority and who doesn't, right? Um, reminds me, before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says he's going to send him, us his spirit to clothe us in authority, right? So if we have the spirit, we have authority, and it's not about whether or not we want to acknowledge that. It's something that's inherent. But anyway, God tells him, here, pick it up, own it, right? What is this that you already have in your hand? A branch. Great. Send it to the land. That send it um, is also echoing, I'm going to say that over and over and over in this series, but it's echoing um, the daughter of the king who sent out her hand to rescue them. Right. And so he's saying, do a mini exodus right now um, to the land. Of course, anytime you see Aretz, you're going to be thinking of the promised land. Um, uh, since the the beginning of the book, right? And so there's a little, you know, cheeky foreshadowing and saying send it to the land rather than put it in the dirt. Um, and it becomes a serpent, right? Which uh, interesting choice to yes. use a serpent? Yeah. Did you read or have you read Foreman on these signs? Uh, no. Okay, he's got this beautiful teaching about each of these signs um, that, spoiler, in this whole chapter, God says, what's going to make them listen to you? They'll be able to listen to you when they know that I have seen what has been done to them. And so the first one, it's a symbol of authority that becomes a snake, which is a creepy crawly thing, which is what um, the Egyptians said that they were uh, in Exodus 1. And then, uh, you know, just like we can say about outsiders, um, he shows that he's leprous and then he's not, as in they're not really dangerous, like the Pharaoh said that they're dangerous. And then the last sign that really does the trick is saying, this water, I know that it is truly blood, right. because that's where all the babies are buried. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I, I said I haven't read that. I didn't read that this time, but I am familiar with that teaching. Right. That's um, good, because I taught it on a whole bunch of passengers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also, right, he, he gets a lot of his teaching material from Rashi. Um, and so these are things that Rashi, right, Rashi talks about in the Midrash uh, on this text is right. those things. He so, does a really beautiful job with it, though, because there's so he many does. Le yep. leadership lessons about, right. like, you want people to follow you, you need to acknowledge where they're at, right? You've got to meet them where they're at first. Right. And that's how God works with us. He meets us where we're at, which brings us back to the center of that chiasm, right? God making space. He lets, uh, unlike Athena burning up her would-be clients of her patronage who are, you know, trying to put her off and say, no, no, I don't want to take on your, your patronage. God is patient with Moshe and all of his, you know, flopping on the ground like a fish. Yeah. Like so many of us do. Right. Yeah. The other thing that Rashi talks about, too, you know, you were uh, kind of hinting at when you were saying uh, that Moses isn't really manifesting with his his <laughs> yeah. prayer there. Right. But he's saying they're not going to listen to me. Right. He's he's. Uh, you know, in a way, prophesying what he thinks is going to happen. They're not going to listen to me. And so Raji talks about how the first thing God does is he turns the staff into a serpent. Uh, and it's God's way of saying, don't make the people what the Egyptians say they are. Mm. Oh, I love that. Don't buy into the story. The story that's yeah. been said about you. Yeah. That's so good, Rashi. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ugh. um, scrumptious. Yeah. Ah, that's so pastoral. Thank right. you, Rashi. Yeah. Um, so he grabs it by the tail. It turns back into this, this branch. Right. He right. made it strong, by the way. He made it strong, which, which is another going to be a chiastic thing. Another chiastic thing. Yep. Strength later. Yep. Uh, who knows what he's making strong there? Is he making his hand strong? Is he making the serpent strong? Is he making the branch strong? I think, you know, it's talking about the nature of the serpent being, uh, you know, transforming and shifting and sliding um, through the uh, sands, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Grabs it, makes it strong so that it's it's straight, it's rigid. Right. Um, uh, so. So good. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So moving forward into verse five, in order that they will trust, so in order that they will They'll, aman. aman. Yes, for Yahweh, I made this change late in my translation. <laughs> so, updating you know. it live. Yep. In order that they will aman, for Yahweh has made himself seen to you. Yep. God of your fathers, God of Abraham, God of Yitzchak, and God of Yaakov. Uh, I love that, by the way, just the idea in God's, I know he said this, uh, a whole bunch of times in the text, but that God is omnipresent. So he's in, in everything always around us yeah. all the time. Yep. And so anytime we experience God, even though sometimes it says that they encountered God or whatever, no, he's just making he was always himself there. visible. Right. That's the only change that's happening is our ability. Okay. Uh, then he says, bring your hand to the hollow of your chest. Right. We have the leprosy. Yep. Um, foreshadowing i mean that's not the point of this i just always think of poor miriam in uh, numbers 12 when yes. she says rashi makes God that connection oh look we have so much in common yeah yeah <laughs> well and again rashi's is kind of making this rebuking connection hmm. of god to moshe right he's and he looks forward right. to the miriam right yeah because right. she definitely is not um having a good time in yeah numbers 12 right so we see the same thing happening here to moshe uh that happened to miriam i love it which makes sense because in that story in numbers 12 he's advocating for her to god and saying can we not can we not just bring her in and yeah. he says look we've got to draw some boundaries moshe uh okay so he puts it back to the hollow of his chest he brings it out and it's back to being regular which right. is red flesh yep. which life is in redness is in blood right that's a whole s- circle of circle yeah. of life literally uh i love it um and so that would be another reason to be afraid of leprosy other than that it's a terrible disease right um verse eight it will be if they do not trust you if they do not aman you or shema the voice of the first emblem they will trust the voice of the emblem after right so tell me about this emblem oh yeah that's just me trying to grapple with the fact that the word sign has been really Christianized for us. Like, oh, if the Lord would send me a sign. Oh, sure. Um, which is kind of also from the Gospels. The people longed for a sign. Um, and in fact, it's, you know, like Yehuda with the staff, right? It's a signet, uh, mm. like a signet ring, right? It's which also transforms the way we see its first mention in the heavens, right? Um, different signet rings. So one way to think of that, uh, yeah. all the constellations up there. And then, uh, of course, the connection that I've been making, Cain, right, is the first one to get one of these, and it indeed preserves his life, um, even though he doesn't know about it. So uh, that's kind of why I was leaning into emblem because when I think of sign, I mean, I know I have a two-year-old, but I think of like a stop sign, you know, something right. that I see that communicates something to me symbolically. An emblem has the mark of its maker right. on it, right? Signet. Right. Um, and so that's why I went with emblem in this chapter. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's more official. Right. Yes. It's uh yeah, signifies something. Haha, <laughs> signet to signify. Yeah. Uh okay, then we have the water um the water sign, the water emblem. Uh I like that we always anthropomorphize things, the voice of the blood on the ground, right? Back right. in Genesis four and now we have they want Shema, the voice of these emblems. Um Yeah, and looking at that form and teaching too, right? The um, image here of taking the blood that's hidden in the water and revealing it on land, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, being God's recognition of what's happened. Right. Absolutely. It's God's testimony of what's happened, right. one might say. So God says all of these things to him. And Moshe, which is funny, uh, he talks about He's not a man of words. 
you'll notice none of those signs required talking. Yeah. So not to be too pastoral this whole time, but God knows our insecurities and prepares the way to like smooth out our insecurities beforehand. Right. And yet we don't even notice that we're so wrapped up in our imposter syndrome and our, well, I'm not actually good. We don't even notice what God's already yeah. cleared out the way yeah. for. Um, the Midrash talks about that statement. Uh, and if you recall back with Joseph, um, there was this Midrashic conversation around Joseph needing to learn the 70 languages of the court in Ugh. order to uh, meet with Pharaoh. Yep. Um, and God appears and teaches him, uh, sends an angel to teach him all of these languages in the middle of the night. Happens in a single day, right? right? And most, uh, not Moses, uh, Joseph has this showdown with Pharaoh of going back and forth with these 70 different right. languages. And then he knows Hebrew. And then right? he runs up and knows Hebrew. Right. And so, so the Midrash is making, makes an argument here that what Moshe is saying is, I know all 70 of these languages, but I don't know the language of the people of Israel. I don't know Hebrew. Mm. And so when I show up uh, as an emissary of God and can't even speak the language of God, mm. they're going to laugh no. at me. Right. Interesting. Um, and... You know, again, they look at that and uh, uh, have this kind of conversation between God and Moses about how, uh, kind of like God, what God is saying, I'm going to give you the words, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you what to say. Um, they go back to Adam naming all of the animals and how it says that he says the names of the animals. Yep. Uh and they tie that into that teaching and say it's not that he gave each of them a singular name, but he gave he listed out the names of the animals in all of the languages wow. um, that were going to be um, because he was empowered by God to do so. That would have taken a really long time. Well, he had a lot of time. Did he? Adam? Yeah. He had forever, basically, huh. right? How long were they in Eden? How long does it take to it, say? We don't know. Also, did he include dead languages? Like, I mean, it, uh, how? Well, they limited to I the have, 70, right? I have so many but, questions. But. Okay. Fascinating. Uh, whew, what a journey. I now have Bob Dylan's man gave names to all the animals in the beginning <laughs> stuck in my head. Um so thanks for that, Dad. Uh, okay, so in me, my Lord, I am not a man of words. I, from the day before and the day before that also, from then on, you've spoken to me, but I am heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue. Uh, this was really confusing syntax. Okay. I mean, I laid it out as it is um, because... It, it seems like he's saying, you have been talking to me from the day before and the day before that. But I would expect him to be saying, I've always been heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue. Um, so that's confusing about what yeah. exact kind of point he's trying to make there. Okay, so when you look at the other translations, they do something. Um, they twist it a little bit which i mean totally valid yeah i wouldn't want to leave people in the lurch not knowing what on earth is being said but like the nlt goes with i'm not good with words i've never been i'm not now there's the day after and the day before that um even though you have spoken to me so they insert an even though type right thing to tie it together to try to say what's happening here um the King James is, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore, which I love a good heretofore. <laughs> um, that's subbing in for the day before and the day before that. Um, Nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. So, uh, which is interesting nor since you have done this, that kind of uh, Right, approach. we've been talking this whole time and nothing has changed. What, yeah, which I love that, again, theologically, that we might think that having an experience with God or an spiritual experience or we get right. called or saved or whatever, all of a sudden we're going to have the superpowers to do something. 
And uh, nope, evidently Feels not. Feels the same. <laughs> yeah. However, even though I stand behind anybody doing the best they can with that syntactical puzzle there, I kind of like it exactly as it is from the day before and the day before that also you have spoken to your servant um like it would be weird and mysterious given the context of this so it could be not meant to be read that way even though that's just what it literally says but it could be again like uh if you heard the the bush was burning the whole time but he just didn't have right go over um like he could be acknowledging like if this has been my calling forever and you've always been speaking to me why did why am i like this right why am i i have a disability right. or at least not just be eloquent in yeah general? you've had all these plans right shouldn't uh, you have prepared right um and god has you know an iconic response which is very theologically important right um and you know it's just so heartening even moving away from disability theology just thinking about um god's complete cognizance you know he's never surprised by our shortcomings and our lack of skills and our distractibility and our fill in the blank here he's he's very aware he made us um and he says do it anyway i'll be with you which again he says i'll be with your mouth specifically and you know just plugging in whatever our insecurities are here of course this is not sin based you know he's not like i'll be with you being irritable all the time no i'll be with your ADD or right, whatever. Right. Um, I will teach you what you will say. Uh, it's just so comforting. Um, and it also reminds me of Jesus always asking for consent before he heals people. Um, you know, if you put greater dignity on this way of being, right, that if God um, potentially made, you know, the blind blind, then you should definitely double check before doing something. Mm -hmm. anyway well and i i think too that this is something that i I, i've had a couple of conversations with people about who are trying to figure out you know how do i be a witness or share my faith or interact with other people Mm -hmm. when i don't feel adequate right right and uh just realizing that one God's not, doing the work. Right, not a requirement. Right, not a requirement. Um, we have a calling, right, to live a certain way. Um, and doing that is enough to walk in whatever calling God has given to us. Right. Um, right. Attending to the walk is what uh, is the imperative verb here. Now walk. <laughs> right. That's all you got to worry about. Yep. Do your walk. Uh, he replies. He replies. It almost sounds like he's stuttering here, right? Oh Lord, send please. In a hand, you will send. Um, so that's I know it's really smoothed out in other renderings, but it is extraordinarily clunky in the Hebrew. So again, I left it as it is. Um, and it seems I get the feeling that he's just grasping at straws here. Um Right, he's not being having great come back to God here. He's not furthering his argument, particularly again eloquently. Um, yeah, different people do different things. Send anyone else. Send someone else. Um, King James, of course, is going to be more literal than other people. So send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou will send. And they, you know, put it in italics that it's not actually there. So. Send, I pray thee, by the hand of thou will send. Yeah. I mean, he could even here be asking for God still to change him, right? Mm. He's referencing his hand, which we saw God talking about earlier. He said, what's in your hand? He said, it's a stick. And God changes it into a serpent and then back, right? So changing the... uh, aspects of an object right so Moshe here saying uh if you can send this stick in my hand to do all of these things can't Mm -hmm. you change me 
Right. Right. Um, <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, but in God's forbearance, even though he's frustrated. Yeah. Which, um, again, just there, there's this annoying I'm being very biased here. There's this annoying doctrine out there, George, called the impassibility of God, um, which says that God does not experience pain or pleasure um, from the actions of another being is how Wikipedia defines it. But he he doesn't have any emotions because he's unchanging. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that kind of philosophy, emotions are bad and turbulent always. Well, what are you going to do, y'all non-biblical weirdos with the nose of God was kindled, right? We right. normally say the anger of God is kindled. And how come that anger shows up in other portions of your theology, but then not in that one? Anyway, right. whatever. Uh, just a, you know, heaping tablespoon of shade. Um, is not Aharon, your brother, the Levi? Moshe is also a Levite, by the way, right? They're yeah. brethren. Well, so, you know, there's an interesting conversation there in the, in the Midrash. One, uh, first off... Uh, they talk about how it says that the nose of Yahweh was kindled in mm-hmm. Moshe, but there's no, you know, you don't, you're expecting a punishment to come out of this. Right, exactly. And there's really not. There's right. Instead, it seems like uh, God kind of giving in. Right. Right. It meets and, us where and, we're at. Right. <laughs> even when we're being so, so stubborn. Yeah. Which is why it's the center of the chiasm. Um, even but, when he's frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. But looking at what he says here is not Aharon, your brother, the Levi. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is saying, isn't your brother the firstborn of the house of Levi? Right. Right. He's the oldest. He is the uh, he is the firstborn, the inheritor of the family calling. Right. But of Levi. But and the it's tribe not until later that God tells Moshe that he's going to be counted amongst the... Right. So the priesthood is not established yet, right? Leviticus comes after Exodus. But uh, it's expected that everybody in the house of Levi be um, in the priestly calling. It's different than uh, the rest of the tribes where the firstborn is supposed to follow the patriarch and there's more lenience for other people, right? Um, that's not the case in the house of Levi. Like Moshe is still a Levite. Um, and so I think that God is, you know, poking Moshe a little bit by saying, is not your brother a Levite? And there's a, like an also in parentheses because they're both, they're both in that calling. Now, again, that calling has not been stamped out anywhere mm-hmm. to be clearly read. And so, um, you know, we're reading back into the story what they, the original characters might not necessarily wouldn't have known about. But the original recipients of this text would known, would have known. So it just depends about which way you want to balance the storytelling of the sure. Okay, uh, so I know that speaking he will speak, which um, that's the dying you will die right. thing. So truly or certainly or other things people throw in there. Um, again, it feels a little bit angsty from God coming through. Um, I know that he'll speak when I tell him to. Look here, he is coming out to call you. He will see you and rejoice in his heart. You will speak to him and place the words in his mouth. I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. I will teach you what you will do. Um, He will speak for you to the people and it will be that he will be a mouth for you. Um, Leaving that last line for a sec, but um, the one after the one I just said. But uh, shout out to Aharon. He gets so much flack, you know, not unduly, but... um, at the golden calf scenario. And then he's also in numbers 12 and we tend to be like, but here he's, 
um, you know, the first to have aman, the first one to have trust slash faith slash belief to nurture it. You know, he is listening to God speak, evidently, because he's told to go out there. We see this it come true later in this chapter. And he goes out. He's obedient. He attends to the things that God gives him to do. And he does rejoice in his heart. He's not like, oh, boy, here comes my complicated brother, the murderer who everybody hates. Um He's doing the right thing, uh, and I think that's excellent, um, and that he should get more credit. Right. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, when looking back at all of the brother reunion scenarios we've seen in the past. Oh, yeah. Right? Here we see one that actually works. Right. Right. Everybody does what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, Nobody dishonors anybody else or lies to them or says, sure, I'll walk with you to Mount Said and then goes the other way. Yeah. Um, Okay. Then we have, you will be for him as an Elohim, which again, if you translate that or think of it as spiritual being, like we've been talking about, um, then that kind of makes sense, right? He will receive you like you are a member of my heavenly right. household, like yeah. an angel, like someone who's out doing my work in the world as a spiritual being. But if you leave it as God, even though it has a different article before it, um, then it's like, oh, weird, but we don't want Aaron to be worshiping Moshe. Right. So, new translation to save the win. To save the win? That's not a phrase. Save the day, um, which is not my idea. Okay, uh, and then you'll take this branch, um, and that's the one that you're going to use to do the signs, right? I think that's going to do it for us this week. It's been an hour. Uh, It's been 52 minutes. (laughs) That is a good podcast length. It is a good podcast. I just, you know, there's things coming up that I'm excited to talk about. I'm excited to talk about them too, but that's part one. It's part one. We made it through part one. We did. We did. (laughs) As predicted. As predicted. As predicted. Uh, Okay. If you have comments, concerns, uh, a slow creeping dread that will never uh, start picking up momentum as we work through Exodus. We feel you. (laughs) I'm having a great time. I have no apprehensions. Um, You can send those misguided apprehensions and anything else to text in us at gmail.com. No definite article at the front. No the. Uh, Yep. That's because it's for everyone. It's not a singular calling. Oh, wow. How philosophical. This has been the Text and Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you will join us again next week to finish off Exodus chapter 4. That's right. Bye.